Hey, let's talk about Star Wars. I know. I know. This has never happened before. Remember when the teaser for Force Awakens first came out? A black stormtrooper? That was honestly a shock. A delightful shock. And to be honest, the potential became endless. The representation alone was already a welcoming change. But then Force Awakens goes off and makes him the first major black protagonist in a Star Wars film. A stormtrooper becoming a main character? A black stormtrooper becoming a main character in a franchise that is about rebelling against evil oppression? Sign me the hell up. And the actor is John Boyega, who has already proven himself in British cinema. And he appears to have Jedi potential as evidenced in the final fight against Kylo Ren. Oh, this is awesome. I can't wait to see how they're going to handle him going forward. Damn it. Damn it! Don't get me wrong. All three Disney Star Wars films are fine individually. Even if they get progressively more difficult to defend. Especially Rise of Skywalker. They each have their enjoyable moments. They each have their good ideas. But the biggest fault to the entire trilogy lies in the wasted development of the characters, especially, especially Finn. And Finn and Rey's relationship was not a setback at all in the beginning. In Force Awakens, they had good chemistry. They had some similarities, each with a past that haunts them. But while Rey's wild journey was fleshed out, sort of, Finn's story of a stormtrooper turned resistance fighter has none of the bite that really could have made him an epic, epic character. And it would have been perfectly matched with the fact that this was Star Wars' first major black character. Allow me to explain. Now, we've had black supporting characters in the Star Wars franchise, most notably Mace Windu, but no main. But think about it. A black man trying to escape an oppression that has stolen his childhood, distanced him away from his parents, and brainwashed and limited him to just being another body to throw into multiple wars while the oppressors pursue more power and control of their surroundings? Homes! That is clearly the black experience in the United States of America. It was so clearly there. And this may have been just what J.J. Abrams was initially aiming for. But of course, The Last Jedi put Finn in the backseat, and by the time we made it you know, mercifully, to the final act of The Rise of Skywalker, we didn't have enough time to complete Finn's story arc. Such a wild missed opportunity. What could have possibly caused this? We've had dozens, probably thousands, of blame game videos and essays throughout the internet. Most most of them blaming Rian Johnson. Plenty of blame also being thrown on J.J., Kathleen Kennedy, Disney, and then there's also fragments of the conservative pundit content creators movement blaming wokeism and feminism, wanting to focus strictly on Ray Palpatine Skywalker. That name. But there's one possible explanation that isn't explored as much.
China. Now hear me out. We probably should have seen the potential downfall of Finn's storyline from the very beginning when the poster for the Chinese release of The Force Awakens was unveiled. It had shrunken Finn's character model to the bare minimum. In the Chinese poster, he looks like a random supporting character as opposed to being part of the lead. This was no mistake. This was very much intentional as Disney believed that this poster would be better suited for the movie in the world's second largest economy for certain unfortunate reasons. And those unfortunate reasons include actors with darker skin not being as well received in certain Asian countries, therefore having to fade into the background so the moviegoers would keep visiting. My theory is Disney got more involved, way too involved, as J.J. Abrams laid out the breadcrumbs and gave the series to the next person in the machine. And as a result, wanted to shift the narrative focus so that the white actors were in the lead and the minorities would... ...have the minority roles. This would also explain why somebody as smart as Rian Johnson let Finn completely slip under the radar despite the obvious potential. This would also also explain why Rise of Skywalker, despite J.J. Abrams' return, still had Finn way in the backseat while we saw significantly more of Kylo Ren. China still didn't quite watch Force Awakens as much as Disney wanted them to, although the original goals were a tall order for reasons beyond supposedly Finn being black. At the same time, because of the ongoing baffling changes and jarring shifts in tone and focus from film to film, we have arguably the most convoluted trilogy in the history of blockbuster cinema here. It feels like a century ago that Force Awakens got everyone excited for the future of Star Wars. Some issues aside, the fandom nonetheless got a plethora of new characters, storylines, mysteries, with an epic callback to the past to close out the seventh chapter. When Luke Skywalker, spoiler alert, finally revealed, we were excited. And to this day, the Star Wars brand continues trying to undo the damage caused by the movies significant portions of the fandom still hasn't fully forgiven Disney and the crew for how the trilogy played out. Honestly, if not for The Mandalorian being so freaking good, the entire franchise of Star Wars could have been put in the back burner. But none of this had to happen if Disney had been more organized with Star Wars and, potentially, if they had not been looking for a better profit margin by appealing to global audiences, including places that aren't as enamored by Star Wars or as enamored by diverse casts within the film. Disney tried continuing an established storyline while simultaneously morphing it to appeal to non-Star Wars fans. I'm going to argue my point about how trying to cater to the skin tone issues with Eastern Hemisphere moviegoers is why Star Wars' latest trilogy failed, while also then defending the very same Chinese audiences Disney had been trying to appeal to. To me, the skin tone issue may actually be quite overblown and didn't mean to result in said new trilogy being butchered the way it did. And I have an unlikely yet powerful counter-argument example, and his name is Vin Diesel. Welcome to Coffee and a Script.
Hi everyone. Hope all of you are doing well as we inch closer towards the end of another crazy year. As we continue dealing with the consequences of a previous horrible administration and the pandemic that it had helped spread globally. I took an unexpected break from podcasting because man, it just got hard making the content. I jumped back into writing this for a moment and then came the shenanigans with the migrants being shipped to Martha's Vineyard as a fuck you to Democrats from these crazy ass assholic Republicans. Just more wild asinine behavior from the MAGA party. And of course, this podcast isn't a political one. It's not supposed to be. Uh, It's supposed to be about business, art, and capitalism with my more political oriented content being saved for the unscripted recordings I sometimes put up. But today's episode does explore the concept of different cultures, our interpretations of said different cultures, and just the far too often case of misunderstanding other countries and their people, despite being in the greatest era of free information in the history of human beings. All these supercomputers that are the size of your hands, sold globally, all this access to information that we choose to not engage with and choose to just remain ignorant about ourselves and our neighbors. Just a daily dose of disappointment. Vocabulary is crucial when discussing important topics, and we have to normalize verbally and carefully drawing the distinction between the mindsets of the people and the mindsets of the government. Ukraine isn't being invaded by Russia. It's being invaded by the Russian government, especially as there's more and more proof of the Russian people being opposed to all this warfare in the first place. That's just an example. But let's go to the trailer. On to the trailer. Clark Kent has finally left his hometown of Smallville to move to Metropolis so he can start pursuing a career in journalism within the Daily Planet. Always interested in meeting and interviewing regular people, Clark wants to learn about the citizens that helps make the city run, and wants to strictly focus on the smaller news stories of triumph, overcoming adversary, and finding happiness in a difficult world. But Metropolis is no Smallville, as there are problems within every corner of the city. Inequality, corruption, poverty, and suppression is creating the conditions that's leading to violence and ever-growing mistrust of each other and disillusionment about the American dream. Clark Kent is suddenly witnessing so much that's wrong with his new surroundings, he now begins focusing on how to improve the city that's emotionally crumbling. But along the way, he's also suddenly becoming stronger, faster, and more in tune to the elements ultimately discovering his true origins and his destiny and responsibility as Superman. In this interpretation of Superman, we see Clark Kent discovering his powers not in Smallville, but in Metropolis, as he seeks humanity within the confines of the big city. As the journalist and as the superhero, Clark will be battling everything standing in the way of Metropolis's improvement, from corrupt politicians to domestic terrorists to, of course, Lex Luthor himself, who happens to own the very newspaper he's working for. Superman of the City, screenplay by Milton E. Mousepin, available in theaters eventually, if I can ever get this thing sold. Please, buy my script. I am broke. Alright, back to the topic.
before I can get to my thesis as to where it all went wrong, we're going to backtrack a little bit to 2012. The partnership between Lucasfilm and Disney can extend as far back as the 1980s when Star Tours was being built for Disneyland and Hollywood Studios. They have always had a close relationship, which is why it made sense that if George Lucas were to finally give up the rights to Star Wars, it would be to Disney. Disney has the money, clearly, the resources, obviously, the history, and the space to branch off Star Wars into something bigger. But this was not a cheap purchase. $4 billion was given to George Lucas to secure the IP, with very few elements of Star Wars belonging elsewhere, most notably 20th Century Fox, which would also eventually get bought by Disney. I bring this up because we of course have to admit that Disney wanted to see profits from this purchase as soon as possible so that the shareholders can stop having their heart attacks at all the Bob Iger transactions. Remember, just a few years before buying Star Wars, Disney had already spent billions obtaining Marvel and Pixar. The first goal should of course make a good seventh chapter of the Star Wars saga, but I know that Disney was very much invested in ensuring that they could make every penny possible in 2015. George Lucas picked J.J. Abrams and would even guide him throughout the production of Force Awakens. And while the plot line was being tightly hidden from the public and production was well underway, Disney was planning for box office Armageddon, starting with the 2014 teaser trailer that sh shook. I mean, it really did. It shook the pop culture zeitgeist. We saw Rey. We saw the back of Kylo Ren with his infamous lightsaber. We then see Finn wearing Stormtrooper gear, which launched the most questions. Toss in that beautiful shot of the Millennium Falcon, spinning, just looking amazing. And the movie world was hyped. I was hyped. I think I saw the teaser like five, six times in the first day. But yeah, uh, Disney wasn't just planning for U.S. money. They wanted global domination, and for a long time. And they were fearing failure, well, their version of failure, in the second largest movie-watching market in the world, China. For a multitude of reasons, China never quite gravitated towards Star Wars when compared to Japan and, of course, the United States. And yet, between the prequel trilogy in the early 2000s and 2015 was the emergence of China as a box office powerhouse. Makes sense. Most populated country in the planet while also having the second best economy in the world. You know, good elements. Shanghai alone, by itself, generates more revenue than the entire country of Mexico. So, lots of people... Lots of money, and the number of movie screens was increasing over tenfold during the 2010s. Absolutely perfect market for a successful American film. And we were already seeing examples. The Transformers franchise up to 2014 were modest hits in the U.S., but thanks to the Chinese market, they were able to make mega blockbuster money overall. Each Transformers film prior to 2015 ended up being among the highest grossing films in the Chinese box office. Age of Extinction alone made $300 million in China. I'm sure this is the money Disney wanted to see, but feared their casting might hamper the results. So that's why the poster appeared the way that it did. 
and that's why it would become the signal for things to come. As we hadn't even seen The Last Jedi, but had seen Finn being sidelined in the marketing. Of course, starting with The Last Jedi, it would only get worse for Finn. By the end of Force Awakens, he had dueled Kylo Ren and even got a hit in. Although Rey ended up using the Force in the final act, there were also glimpses of Finn also potentially being a Jedi, or at least being a powerful ally of the Jedi within the Resistance. By the end of Force Awakens, he was clearly set up to have a showdown against Captain Phasma and was set up to definitely have a rematch against the dreaded Kylo Ren. But then came The Last Jedi, where he ends up spending most of the film on a side quest. For Last Jedi, Finn was infamously cast aside in favor of the Rey-Kylo dynamic, which was borderline rude considering how rapey Kylo was behaving in Force Awakens. I'm pretty sure the movies would have stumbled even more had it been another actor besides the amazing Adam Driver playing the role. Either way, the white leads would have their screen time, would have their stories develop, and would evolve further, and also with the big lightsaber sequence in the middle of the film, while Finn would be sacrificed entirely. And, in another strange twist, they would cast a completely new character to become Finn's semi-love interest, or the one that teaches him to live. I don't know. So now with less screen time and his potential Jedi story arc eradicated, now he has to build chemistry with another female supporting character named Rose. And it all just just didn't work. Last Jedi never felt like a continuation of Force Awakens to begin with. And I think it was more the behind-the-scenes efforts of crafting stories that would appeal to audiences beyond the Star Wars fandom causing this. As I've said... The best director from Breaking Bad should have seen the themes and ideas that could emerge from Finn rising up the resistance despite his origins as a stormtrooper. Of course, Last Jedi infamously pissed off a vocal corner of Star Wars fans, so Disney panicked and then tried reworking the final chapter so it would appeal to those who felt betrayed by the twist of Last Jedi, who felt betrayed by Disney. All that did was drown Rise of Skywalker in callbacks, cameos, and retcon moments, and now everyone just ended up upset. They never got the Chinese box office hit from this trilogy, they underperformed in the final chapter entirely, and the entire state of Star Wars ended up in shambles until The Mandalorian. And I firmly believe that the Star Wars franchise would not be doing anything on Disney Plus today had it not been for The Mandalorian. But back to Disney. Because the problem with Disney is their obvious overreach in essentially all their major projects. Very rarely do you see Disney allow the creative minds to go off. Very rarely do you see them willing to finance a project and not make any attempts to alter the film in an effort to maximize appeal, especially nowadays. You see it most clearly in Marvel, you do see it in the way they've handled Pixar in the last decade, and you definitely saw it in Star Wars. Today's Disney probably wouldn't even allow for The Curse of the Black Pearl to play out the way that it did. And thank God that Disney didn't allow... (laughs) Thank goodness that... You know, Gore Verbinski did not allow Disney to make 
changes to Curse of the Black Pearl because that's still one of the best blockbuster films ever made. But Disney wanted J.J. to only provide breadcrumbs and not make a push to, to have him oversee the trilogy, despite Abrams being handpicked by George Lucas himself. And the reason is Disney wants to maintain their creative control while trying to collect talented directors to help maintain the status quo of what makes good box office. And I do believe that sadly, Disney wasn't even ever in favor of making Finn the lead or one of the leads, even though the breadcrumbs created by Abrams were saying otherwise. Disney saw this narrative as box office poison and as a result would have a major hand in downgrading Finn's potentially epic story, even though Force Awakens did make spectacular money. And here's the kicker. The shrinking of Finn, the attempts to ensure that the leads are all white and remain white, it's actually totally unnecessary in China, as the Chinese box office has actually proven over the years that the supposed cliches of China skipping films with black leads is actually kind of artificial. And now we revert back to Vin Diesel and The Fast and the Furious. Three of the 50 highest grossing movies in the history of the Chinese box office are Fast and the Furious films. The latest film, Furious 9, made over $200 million in China alone. Guess what these movies have? A diverse cast with several black and Latino supporting characters. And even then, how much is enough anyway? Star Wars is a huge part of Americana culture. Why even have the need for wider appeal when you can make gangbusters here at home? Force Awakens ended up approaching $1 billion in the U.S. alone. Why even make attempts to change elements of the trilogy to appeal internationally? Is $2 billion not enough? Can you imagine a movie like Spirited Away trying to cater to American moviegoers? The movie would have been 30 minutes shorter, it would have been less fearful, and it would have contained a much more straightforward plot and probably a longer ending. It loses its cinematic balance. Spirited Away, however, was seen by one-sixth of Japan. Isn't that enough of a success story? It made less than $20 million in the U.S., but because of its appeal to its domestic market, it would become the first film in history to make $250 million before even crossing over to the, to the United States box office. The new Star Wars trilogy was a victim of trying to appeal to multiple markets simultaneously, and when things were getting dire, transformed the final chapter into an expensive apology and an expensive retcon that still pissed everyone off. And that's because there was no faith in what The Force Awakens was introducing and hinting at during the final act. It was a good film that still scared the executives, and as a result, we got the two sequels that just feel disconnected from the rest of Star Wars. All because Finn was black. Now, there will be many of you that disagree with me, and want to blame Rian Johnson, want to blame J.J. Abrams, or just not make this a race-related ordeal. And I understand, it's a little uncomfortable to go this direction. But if you ask Finn himself, John Boyega, 
He firmly believes that the movies came out the way that they did because he was black and because Disney had no clue how to handle him in the narrative and pop culture spotlight. If you ask the actor himself, he'll tell you straight up he didn't enjoy his experience. He didn't enjoy what happened to his character. It wasn't just the fandom being upset. The actor himself was pissed. Notice that as Star Wars has moved on from the films, the future of Finn remains wildly up in the air with no updates, no upcoming shows, video games, media of any kind. Boyega, of course, has turned down notions of being willing to come back. The damage is done, but none of this ever really had to happen. Funny enough, shortly after the chaos of Force Awakens and Last Jedi, even Disney themselves got evidence that movies with black lead actors doesn't mean box office poison in China. Black Panther, arguably the blackest blockbuster film in Disney history, would make an excellent $105 million in the Chinese box office. Yes, it's not the $305 million eventually earned by Infinity War, but in what world would $100 million in a single non-domestic market be considered a disappointment? My point is, making a film with international box office goggles has always been and will always be a bad idea. And I think the latest Star Wars trilogy is a victim of this. And this definitely wasn't the first time Disney made attempts at global outreach through narrative decisions, but the Star Wars trilogy may have been the most blatant. A good movie will always transcend languages, customs, and cultures. They just need a proper chance. The conversation about how U.S. market treats foreign films is for another day. But there are many examples of excellent films from other countries making money beyond their wildest dreams for companies like Disney to still be resorting to dated ideals to what people see in other countries. Japan, Spirited Away, made over $300 million globally. South Korea's dark comedy thriller Parasite made $260 million plus. Neither film was made with the thought process of considering what audiences in other countries might think. The goal was to tell a proper story and deliver all the cinematic tricks in telling said story. The Force Awakens could have been the beginning of something new, something fresh. And instead we ended up with three good but severely disconnected films that is more disliked than even the prequel trilogy. And in the process, they angered a very good actor out of Star Wars and all but halted continuing the Star Wars storyline for the time being, instead spending time filling in the blanks between the previous six chapters, while being the victims of hundreds of angry YouTube videos complaining about the state of Star Wars. Make a good product, and it won't matter where it came from. The financial success will follow immediately like Black Panther or in the long run, like when Parasite's Best Picture win made it the recipient of the largest post-Oscar bump in two decades and the first Korean film with a million tickets sold in Japan in 15 years. I beg of you, do not squander incredible cinematic opportunities just because you're looking at the profit margins. P.S. If your video essay about a movie is longer than the movie itself, it is too long. Stop that. I saw that there was a five-hour video essay about the latest Doctor Strange movie, and I promise you, these kinds of people belong in certain watch lists if you get my drift. 
For those of you who survived, I thank you for listening. My website is diac1987.com, where you can find my blog, my other podcast entries, as well as my completely empty Patreon, in case you have enough to lend some financial and moral support. Special shout out to David Wise, Grant Kirkhope, Robin Beanland, and Palpable for the music I use throughout the podcast. Have a wonderful week. Don't forget to register to vote, donate to a charity or two, and I hope you'll come back for the next episode whenever that happens. Goodbye. Take care. And it should have been Ray Tagoli.